Hi everyone, welcome to episode 32 of EV Brief, your podcast news brief on electric vehicles, sustainable transport and renewable energy from Australia and around the world. I'm your host Jonathan and on the show this week, Audi reveals the e-tron GT Quattro, Hyundai's Ioniq 5 is revealed to the world, Volvo unveils its new coupe SUV, the C40 Recharge, Jaguar Land Rover is going all electric, Kia unveils a plan to transform its business through EVs, and BYD signs its first global distribution agreement with Australia's next port. These stories and much more on this week's episode of EV Brief. First off the bat, Audi has revealed Ingolstadt's answer to the Porsche Taycan, with the e-tron GT and RS e-tron GT premiering to the public online last week. The e-tron GT features the same two-motor setup as the Porsche Taycan models, with the top-spec 93.4kWh battery from the Porsche, 800V electrical architecture and 270kW of charging rate. With a two-speed gearbox, the e-tron GT is able to accelerate to 100km an hour in 4.1 seconds, and the RS model reaches that speed in 3.3 seconds. The e-tron GT outputs 350 kilowatts and 630 Nm of torque, while the RS model outputs a monstrous 440 kilowatts and 830 Nm of torque. Just like its Taycan siblings, the e-tron models have an overboost function that ups the engine power and torque for fast launches. With US pricing revealed, the e-tron GT starts at $99,990 and the RS model at $139,900. For comparison, the Porsche Taycan 4S starts at 103,800 in the US and the turbo from 150,900. The e-tron is expected to hit the roads in North America and Europe from late summer, and Addy promises we'll see it in Australia before the end of 2021. Hot on the heels of the e-tron launch, Porsche has pulled the covers off its rugged practical EV Taycan wagon variant, which shares its underpinnings with the e-tron. The Taycan Cross Turismo will be available in four 4S, Turbo and Turbo S variants, with Australia to receive just the 4S and Turbo models. Sharing the dual-motor setup from the Taycan sedan and the e-tron, the Taycan Cross Turismo receives a larger 93.4kWh battery pack as standard equipment, as well as all-wheel drive and adaptive air suspension. Just a bit larger in all proportions over the Taycan sedan, the Cross Turismo adds 11mm of additional length, 36mm extra rear seat headroom, a common complaint about the sedan, and a boot of 446 litres, up 80 litres over the sedan. The Taycan 4 is priced from around $92,000 US, while the 4S starts from $111,650 US or $217,000 Australian dollars. It should begin arriving in dealerships worldwide by the third quarter of this year. Hyundai's Ioniq 5 has been revealed in an online event and has received almost unanimous praise globally for its angular boxy design. Like Audi with the e-tron, Hyundai has kept the production Ioniq 5 very similar to the concept Project 45 model, with the company's new parametric pixel design language translating to bold, taut surfaces and sharp creases. Based on the company's new electric global modular platform, designed to underpin Kia and Hyundai's future electric offerings, it features an impressive 3-metre wheelbase, longer than that of the giant Palisade SUV, for a very spacious interior. An all-wheel drive variant and a rear-wheel drive variant are available across two battery sizes. There's a long-range model with a 72.6 kWh battery and a standard-range model with a 58 kWh battery. 
Now, maximum claimed range of the long-range rear-wheel drive variant is 470 to 480 kilometres on the WLTP cycle. That's around 290 to 300 miles. The Ionic 5 features a 400 to 800 volt electrical architecture, resulting in DC charging up to 220 kilowatts. Hyundai says the Ionic 5 will add 100 kilometres of range in just five minutes of charging. Obviously, this would be from a very low state of charge, though. The high-voltage architecture also features vehicle-to-load technology with a maximum output of 3.6 kilowatts. The Ionic 5 features outlets in the rear passenger compartment and on the exterior of the vehicle and customers can power electrical items from the car's batteries. The previously mentioned long wheelbase provides for an incredibly spacious interior with a flat floor, movable storage compartments and reclining seats. Pre-order is available in Europe now for the Project 45 launch edition of the Ionic 5 for £45,000 or €59,550 in Germany. That's about 91000 Australian dollars. Hyundai is clearly pitching a premium product here and Australia is likely to miss out on the special launch edition, but let's hope Hyundai Australia can sort out a more accessible price point for the entry-level standard range model. The electric SUV market in Australia is set to heat up in the next couple of years, with Volvo's XC40, P8 Recharge, Tesla's Model Y, VW's ID4 and BMW's iX3, as well as Lexus's UX300e, I believe, all on the horizon. Now not to be left behind, Volvo has pulled the covers off its C40 Recharge SUV. Cashing in on the compact SUV with coupe-like roofline theme, the C40 Recharge is based on the same compact modular architecture as the XC40 Recharge and Polestar 2. It also shares the same battery and drive units as those models. The C40 sports a dual-motor setup with all-wheel drive, a 78kWh battery with a claimed 420km WLTP range, and 150kW charging. The C40 Recharge shares the same 300 kilowatts and 660 Nm power and torque figures and should sprint to 100 k's an hour or 62 miles an hour in under 5 seconds. The interior is Volvo's first to be completely animal skin free but not vegan. Google's Android Automotive, as distinct from Android Auto, features as the vehicle's infotainment and operating system as per the Polestar 2. Pre-orders are now available in the UK and the C40 Recharge is confirmed for Australia from late 2022. Over to Jaguar Land Rover and the company is racing headlong into an all-electric future with plans revealed to scrap all combustion engine Jaguar models from the lineup by 2025. In addition, the company plans to launch six all-electric Land Rover and Range Rover models by the same year. Under the leadership of Chief Executive Officer Thierry Bollore, the Tata Group-owned Land Rover and Jaguar brands will rely on two separate electric architectures with two clear, unique personalities. The first all-electric Land Rover will arrive in 2024, with diesel engines likely to be phased out completely by 2026. Jaguar's model lineup will be completely electrified by 2025. Although it's not yet known which models will comprise this lineup, Jaguar has confirmed the nearly complete electric XJ has been scrapped, as well as the J-Pace. Now Land Rover will use the forthcoming Flex Modular Longitudinal Architecture, MLA. It will deliver electrified internal combustion engines and full electric variants as the company evolves its product lineup in the future. In addition, Land Rover will also use pure electric biased electric modular architecture, which also supports advanced hybrid vehicles. JLR will retain its plant and assembly facilities in the home UK market and around the world. As well as being the manufacturer of the MLA architecture, Solihull West Midlands will also be the home to future advanced Jaguar pure electric platform vehicles. 
The South Korean automaker Kia recently unveiled a new logo and corporate name and has now announced its plans to make new energy vehicles including battery electric and hybrids 40% of the company's sales by 2030. That equates to around 800,000 units of projected 1.6 million sales by that year. Kia's first all-electric vehicle based on the new eGMP platform shared with Hyundai will debut towards the end of 2021, and the company plans seven dedicated EVs built on the platform by 2026. Kia currently has the sole EV in its lineup, which is based on an internal combustion engine platform. We'd put our money on Kia releasing a compact SUV to herald its electric age, something that would compete with Tesla's Model Y, the VW ID4, and the Ford Mustang Mach-E. Over to battery metals now, and the European Commission's Joint Research Centre has released a report analysing EU nickel requirements for EV batteries over the period 2020 to 2040, and has concluded automotive electrification is expected to represent the single largest growth sector for nickel demand over this period. Within this sector alone, the report forecasts global demand to increase by 2.6 million tonnes to 2040, up from only 92,000 tonnes in 2020. The demand for nickel also requires a highly pure form of the chemical product nickel sulfate, which can only be produced by class 1 nickel and intermediate forms. The report found there is limited visibility on new projects able to supply the required nickel sulfate. So what can be done? The report sees that EU policy around demand deflation, supply security and R&D must be addressed, and that deficits in internal EU demand may emerge in the nickel market by 2026. The report also states that nickel recycling from end-of-life batteries is likely to become a growing source of raw materials for nickel sulphate over the next decade. Now, for this to happen, batteries would need to be removed from vehicles, disassembled, discharged and passed through a series of separation actions. Components are then subjected to an acidic reductive leaching process to hydrometallurgically separate cobalt, lithium and nickel from battery powder into solutions according to the Molecular Diversity Preservation International Scientific Institution. Now the MDPI has conducted research on this, showing that up to 87.85% of cobalt, 99% of lithium and 91% of nickel can actually be recovered. Over to BYD News now, and the Chinese automaker has signed a deal with Australia's Nexport for the local company to act as BYD's importer of passenger and commercial vehicles. This is actually the first such deal BYD has signed globally. From late 2021, Nexport plans to sell BYD vehicles online exclusively through its site evdirect.com.au, promising to make the company's range of electric vehicles available to Australian consumers at prices comparable to internal combustion engine vehicles by cutting back on overheads normally associated with retail car sales, such as transport, floor plan, finance charges and dealership overheads. BYD has a range of luxury electric vehicles on the market in China and Norway and plans to offer vehicles in Australia from $60,000 to $100,000. Nexport also plans to build electric vehicles in Australia this decade, likely to commence within the next five years at a site secured around 90 minutes south of Sydney. BYD and Nexport plan to take advantage of Australia's shift to electric buses and introduce Australian consumers to a greater selection of EVs. With almost zero federal government interest in the electrification of transport in Australia, in 2020 EV passenger car sales peaked at 5,199, and this includes Tesla's sales. This represents 0.56% of the market. Compared to other countries, US EV sales represent 2% of the market, in the UK it's 6.6%, and in Norway of course it's over 50%. 
German vehicle component manufacturing giant ZF Friedrichshafen will cease the development of new technology for internal combustion engine vehicles to focus solely on alternative powertrains instead. ZF is Germany's third largest parts supplier and produces transmissions for all the world's largest automakers. ZF CEO Wolf Henning Scheider told German news outlet Frankfurter Allgemeine Zeitung the company diverted all development resources to new technologies with a focus on improving range and efficiency of electric vehicles. We are preparing ourselves for the fact that in 2035, hardly any internal combustion engines will still be sold in Europe and perhaps none at all in the passenger car sector, Scheider told FAZ. If you've driven a Volkswagen, BMW, Aston Martin, a Chrysler or Jaguar, you've likely experienced one of ZF's dual-clutch gearboxes or its car technology. Over to Tesla and the company has lodged a submission with the City of Santa Monica Planning Commission to build the world's largest supercharger across two sites at 1401 Santa Monica Boulevard. Now that's currently an open-air car park and the site is around a 30-minute walk to downtown Santa Monica and Santa Monica Beach, also conveniently located for employees of the nearby Amazon Studios, Naughty Dog Entertainment and Red Bull Headquarters. The proposed project consists of 36 V3 superchargers with PV solar canopies for the western lot and 26 V3 superchargers plus restroom facilities for the eastern lot. Parking spaces will vary in width across both sites, ranging from 8 foot 6 inches, 2.58 metres to 11 foot 1 inch 3.37 metres wide. Larger spaces are presumably designed to accommodate Tesla's upcoming cyber truck. The planning submission was just approved 5 to 2 by the commission after a three-hour debate via Zoom. There were many bizarre objections to the project with local residents mentioning concerns about the supercharger station's fan noise, booming car sound systems waking people late at night, who does that when charging anyway, and the worry of homeless people trying to access the supercharger's restrooms. Tesla is committed to weekly and quarterly maintenance of the site, and construction should commence within the next few months. And finally on this episode, a plug for fellow EV advocate Dave McCann of EVHQ.com. EVHQ just hosted Ride the Lightning's Ryan McCaffrey on a clubhouse chat last week, and also has a great monthly series entitled Manufacturers of the Future. Now, the first article in this series explores Australian EV startup Ace EV, whose managing director Greg McGarvey joined me on the podcast late last year. You can read the article and more about the Clubhouse chat with Ryan McCaffrey over at ev-hq.com. And that's a wrap on episode 32 of EV Brief. Thanks for joining us today and remember to subscribe and leave a review of the show on your favourite podcasting platform. Check out evbrief.com for daily industry news from the EV Brief team. I'm your host Jonathan and we'll see you next time.